What is going on, mere mortals? My name is John Solo, and God of War Ragnarok is a game about family trauma. It's also about ripping your enemy's limbs off with your bare hands, but the family trauma theme is worth exploring, because the writers at Santa Monica Studios used the most epic source material in existence, the Norse myth about the end of the world, to explore some of the most personal pains that humans can endure, or not endure, in Baldur's case. I can't feel any of this. When we meet Thor's daughter, through Thor's daughter, we learn right away that she doesn't have the ideal relationship with either of her parents. Her mother is overprotective after her sons were killed by Kratos, and her father is too busy seeking approval from his own father and wallowing in his personal pit of despair to give her the love and encouragement she needs. In my opinion, Throod was one of the more interesting characters the game introduced, not only because of the perspective she gave us into what it would be like being born into a family family of overachieving all-powerful gods, but also because her role in real Norse myth is smaller. Much smaller. Chapter 1. Girl Dad If you take a look at our two most important resources for Norse mythology, the Prose Edda and Poetic Edda, Thor's daughter only appears in one poem. It's a pretty hilarious one, but I'm sad to say, it doesn't teach us much about her. The poem is called Alvismal, which literally translates to the words of Allwise. Allwise is the name of a dwarf that shows up at Thor's house one day with the intention of taking his daughter's hand in marriage. As you would imagine, Thor isn't down with the idea of this stranger from another land whisking his daughter away to his underground estate, and he makes that point very clear. But instead of outright crushing Allwise's skull with his hammer and just ending it there, he decides to toy with the dwarf and put his wisdom to the test. The line reads, This girl's love will never be yours, my clever guest, if you dare to leave this house without telling me what I want to know about every realm. Tell me, Allwise, since I think you know everything about everyone, dwarf, what is the earth called that people walk on in every world? Then Allwise quickly responds with the correct answers. Men call it earth, the Aesir call it soil, the Vanir call it road, giants call it green, elves call it grower, high gods call it clay. The conversation follows this pattern of Thor asking questions and Allwise giving various terms the realms use for the sky, the sun, the moon, the clouds, the wind, when the wind stands still, the sea, fire, the woods, night, grain, and ale. Some of the epithets are kind of wild. Apparently, the Vanir call the woods wands, and dwarves call night the queen of dreams. But for the most part, this poem feels like a thesaurus with a frame story. I do love the ending, though. After Allwise has answered all of Thor's questions, the Thunder God reveals that while he finds Allwise's knowledge impressive, he was really just stalling for time. The sun had risen and begun to pour in through the windows, and the overconfident dwarf was turned to stone. Now, if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings, that ending might sound familiar, because that's very similar to how Gandalf fooled the trolls Bert, Ted, and William into arguing until the sun rose and they were turned to stone. We know for a fact that Tolkien borrowed archetypes, creatures, and even names from Norse mythology. Several of the dwarves in The Hobbit were named directly after dwarves listed in the Prose Edda, but Tolkien himself never confirmed that this poem and that chapter are connected. It wouldn't surprise me though. Anyway, we learned a few things about Thor's daughter here. In the first few stanzas, Thor describes her as a goddess, which is kind of obvious, but you never know how children of deities are gonna be ranked. 
and Allwise calls her beautiful, as lovely as snow, which has me thinking that she's pale. Back in the day, being pale was seen as a very attractive trait because it showed that someone was rich enough to not have to work outdoors. There is a catch to this knowledge of the beautiful pale goddess though. The poem doesn't actually tell us which daughter of Thor it's talking about. As far as we know, he only has the one, but the poem never explicitly states her name which is Thruther, by the way. Thruther translates to strength, so her portrayal in God of War as being roughly 10 times as strong as Atreus is probably accurate. But the point is that while we're pretty sure this poem was about Thruther, we can't say for certain, and the couple of other occasions she's mentioned in the Old Norse texts give us no other details to work with. It's just a few poems and myths where Thor is referred to as Thruther's father. There does appear to be a long lost story about her though, and a poem called Ragnar Strapa, the Jotun named Hrunnir, is referred to as Thief of Thruther, implying that he may have abducted her at one point. It'd be pretty fitting since that guy ends up being the first giant that Thor ever kills in a one-on-one -on -one duel, but in the story where they fight, there's no mention of the sordid past with Thruther's kidnapping. Hrunnir just gets drunk and overconfident, and Thor makes him pay for it by embedding his hammer into his skull. So at this point, you're probably wondering, if Thruther barely has any significance in Norse mythology, why include her in God of War's story? And was there anything besides her name that's accurate to the mythos? The answers to those questions are where things get really interesting. But first, I want to shout out this week's sponsor, HelloFresh. You've probably heard of HelloFresh before. They're the service that sends farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and delicious seasonal recipes directly to your doorstep. When the new year came around, I decided to give them a try because I really want to optimize my life this year, and cutting down the cost and time commitment of dinner would be a huge step in the right direction. But dinner is also a very important meal. It's an opportunity to take in valuable nutrients and spend time with your family and flatmates. So that's where HelloFresh saved the day. Instead of resorting to expensive takeout or cheap, greasy fast food, I get to choose from 35 weekly recipes that are tailored to my goals. And what's really cool is they just added the option to swap out certain sides and proteins. HelloFresh is also an easy way to try out new foods and recipes. I'm still waiting on my orders to arrive, but my wife, Lauren, you guys know Lauren, she ordered HelloFresh back in December and we fell in love with their firecracker meatballs. The meatballs and their buffalo chicken are actually what motivated me to resubscribe this month. Not only were our meals delicious, but they saved us a trip to the grocery store and an annoying conversation about what to have to eat. So at this point, we're just stacking dubs. If you want to join me in starting this year off on the right foot, then go to hellofresh.com solo22 and use code solo22 for 22 free meals plus free shipping. That's right, 22 free meals. Just sign up at hellofresh.com solo22 to get them. Chapter 2, Valkyrie Dreams The world of Norse mythology is vast, and there are an infinite number of approaches that the developers could have taken with God of War's plot, but they wanted to tell a story about the many, many mistakes that parents make with their children, and how their children cope with those mistakes. We saw how Freya's overprotectiveness drove her son Baldur to insanity, there was a strain on Kratos and Atreus' relationship when Kratos couldn't trust the boy to make his own decisions, 
And then there's Thor Odinson's family. Talk about a perfect group of characters to use as your canvas. There's plenty of mythology about Thor and Odin to work with, but there's almost nothing written about Thor's children, as we've established today and on my episode about Magni and Modi. At first, that might sound like a problem, but in reality, these characters were blank canvases that allowed the writers to get real creative and specific with their personalities and the struggles that each one faced. Magni is not a good example because he was just the fucking man, the big bad older brother who could beat up anybody and look good while doing it. He didn't really have any faults or weaknesses, except his face wasn't axe-proof. Modi had issues out the wazoo. He was constantly comparing himself to Magni, as was everybody else, and he desperately sought his father's approval, similar to how Thor clearly wanted Odin's approval. You ruined everything. I earned that fucking hammer. But now, everyone's gonna think I only got it, because Magni's gone. And then there's Thruther. We know from our eavesdropping that Sif and Thor don't want to make the same mistakes with her that they did with Magni and Modi and lose her to Odin's relentless pursuit of goals that only benefit himself. As a result, Thrud feels like her parents are holding her back from reaching her full potential and accomplishing her dream of becoming a Valkyrie. A dream that I think has its roots in the real mythology because both the prose Edda and the poetic Edda mention a Valkyrie named Thruther who serves ale to the fallen warriors in Valhalla. When once again, we can't be 100% sure that Valkyrie Thruther is indeed Thor's daughter because it doesn't explicitly say, and the Eddas like to use these same names for multiple characters, which is really fun, but it's totally possible that they really are the same Thruther. Either way, I think that Thrud wanting to be a Valkyrie is a really clever tie into her possible role in the mythology. I'm also really curious to see what they do with her character in the next game, because after Ragnarok, you can see her in Alfheim as she takes a vow to make her father proud, then flies off with his hammer, Mjolnir. If she does go on to train with Sigrun, the Valkyrie queen, like Freya said she might, let's just say that I hope our days of fighting Valkyries are over. I don't need to go and rip Thrud's wings off, okay? I'm not trying to be like the husbands in these Swan Maiden stories we talked about last week. But if you enjoyed learning about the real mythology behind Thrud, I've done some very similar deep dives on the majority of characters in God of War. Mimir and Balder are two of my personal favorites. Besides that, if you learned anything from this episode, or at the very least were entertained, consider giving our show a five-star rating and subscribing if you want more content where I explore mythology and folklore on a weekly basis. To those who want to stay updated on Messed Up Origins news or are dying to correct my pronunciation of something, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. I've also started posting shorts there, so you'll get bonus content too. I'll speak with you all again next week when we dive back into the world of Greek mythology for the first time in way too long. Until then, my name is John Solo, and don't forget, John shot first.